Coming to theaters January 26th, Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. Was it the rapture? Yes, I saw it happen. After millions of people vanish and the world falls into chaos, a charismatic leader rises to become head of the United Nations. How do we know who we can trust? Trust God. Starring Kevin Sorbo, Neil McDonough, and Corbin Burnson. Left Behind, Rise of the Antichrist. This film is not rated but suitable for ages 13 and up in theaters for four days only beginning January 26th. Go to leftbehindmovie.com. Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, we continue uh, as this uh, first week in the new year has certainly had its ups and downs. Uh, and as we continue to watch some of the zaniness play out in Washington, D.C., there's, a, there's, a, there's some, some news that's been made. The um, January 6th committee has released its report. Yesterday we spoke with a person who has uh, written uh, at least one perspective on it. Uh, and my next guest certainly has a perspective on it. Uh, because of his proximity to uh, what was happening, uh, I think his new book, Courage Under Fire, Under Siege, and Outnumbered 58 to 1, uh, is going to uh, help add some greater context. Uh, Stephen A. Sund was the police chief of the United States Capitol Police on the day of January 6th, and he joins us. Stephen, thank you for serving your country in uniform uh, there at the Capitol. We always appreciate our law enforcement, regardless of the branch or type of service that they render. It's always important to say thank you to those that do so. There's been a lot of politicization about January 6th, and we've seen some things even in recent days with the Ray Epps texts and some other things that continue to throw some shade and doubt on the versions that the politicians are giving us. Talk to me about your unique viewpoint and why you felt like it was important to put it in writing. Thank you very much for having me on today, uh, Kevin. From my point of view, I was the chief of police at the center of this attack. Um, And my big concern is what my men and women went through, what I believe are some of the failures that led to this and preventing it from ever happening again. You look at everything we did after 9-11 to implement better security, better uh, intelligence sharing, and we still had some of those failures on the 6th. So there's a lot of different issues that occurred on the 6th that I think contributed to it, that I think could have prevented it, uh, that I want to see uh, fixed so it doesn't happen again in the future. Intelligence about what some of the nefarious uh, intended individuals were, were planning on doing ahead of time. Now, we've had little bits and pieces that have either leaked out or been foiled in different um, uh, sectors of this discussion in the last uh, couple of years. Um, how early, to your knowledge or from your perspective, did the proper authorities know that there, there, there were nefarious actions afoot and that people were planning on creating mischief and, um, and, and doing bad things? I think we're looking at it as early as right around December 20th. I think you see December 20th, there's some significant reporting uh, of intelligence about the uh, systems of tunnels underneath the Capitol uh, and reporting of groups forming group. Uh, 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 groups to uh, storm the Capitol, Intel- intelligence and surveillance on some of our entry points. There's, there's, and I put a lot of it in the book. I, I list as much as I can, where we have intelligence where they were surveilling some of our entry points. They could tell you exactly how many officers posted one of our entry points. Uh, and as a chief of police, I find that very concerning. So it looked like weeks in advance, uh, we're starting to see intelligence that should have gotten to me a lot, you know, gotten to me well before January 6th. And that would have pre given me the opportunity to bring in more resources. Did the speaker of the, the then speaker of the House have knowledge of some of these issues? Did she turn down the opportunity to bring what would have been helpful reinforcements for that day and maybe have prevented a lot of this altogether? 
I appreciate that question. That's that's one of the interesting facts that I have in my book. It was no secret that General Milley had regular conversations with Speaker Pelosi well in advance of January 6th. Um, and General Milley and Secretary of Defense Miller had significant concerns for violence uh, at the Capitol on January 6th, at least as early as Sunday, January 3rd and Monday, January 4th. Such levels of significant uh, concerns for violence that they talked about shutting down the city, locking down the Capitol of the United States of America and revoking the permits that are issued on, on Capitol grounds. I'm the person that issues those permits. I'm the one that signs those permits. Guess who's the one they didn't tell? I got no information on their concerns. So if they're so damn concerned about locking down, the, so concerned about the violence that they're talking about locking down the city, I have my concerns that possibly they, they had communications with people up on the, uh, on the hill in advance. Are you saying that even though she may have received the very um, communications that you just described, that there was no instruction from the Speaker's office to the Capitol Police? So let me let me explain kind of how the structure would work. The okay. direct line of communication wouldn't be to me. So when people picture the United States Capitol Police and think of me as the chief, and you know usually the chief is at the top of the pyramid, that's not the case. I'm more like this. So I'm at the bottom of the pyramid. Above me, I have what's called the Capitol Police Board. The Capitol Police Board is made up of a sergeant of arms for the House and a sergeant of arms for the Senate, both politically appointed by the by their respective uh, uh, chambers of Congress. Okay. You also have a uh, architect the Capitol that's uh, appointed by President Trump uh, from the executive branch, they report directly to their leaders. So if there was a line of communication, it would have come in from Pelosi to Paul Irving, who was the House Sergeant Arms, and then to me, and that never occurred. Okay. So as far as you were concerned, you never received warning from your higher-ups um, uh, to the degree that there was going to be trouble, to the degree that, that we ended up seeing it on that day. Uh, that That is absolutely, that, that is absolutely true. And what I think your listeners and viewers should really be aware of is not only that, as the chief of the Capitol Police, I have extensive restrictions that are put in place by the leadership um, of the House to call in the, the uh, additional resources. I'm the so only it's not chief. a dec- discretionary thing on your part. You, you have to really take your cues from what you're instructed. It's federal law. Uh, it's it's federal law that prevents me both in advance of an event. So if I'm planning for January 6th and like I did on the 3rd, I went and asked for the National Guard and Paul Irving turned me down for concern over the the look, the optics of military on Capitol Hill, uh, or during an attack like we had on January 6th, federal law prevents me from calling in federal additional resources without first obtaining approval of the House Sergeant Arms for the respective chambers. It appeared as though there were different points where people were let in and even kind of ushered in uh, in certain stages. And then there's obviously the more graphic pictures later of of windows being broken, people climbing on the side of the building. But can you explain to me what was happening there? It's important that you look at it in chronological order. So yeah, I want to get the facts straight for sure. Yep. And this is the book is absolutely fact based. And I give footnotes. I give my timeline, everything that that you need to reference. So 1253, we're hit on the West Front. 80 minutes it takes for that battle to reach the skin of the building, which means the wall, the windows. And it's at 12. I think it's uh, I'm sorry, it's 211 when they smash that first um, right shield through one of the windows. That's the very first entry point into the Capitol. So any pictures you're seeing after that where it looks like people are opening doors occurred after those windows first started getting smashed and people started climbing into the windows. So the Capitol had already been breached. The pictures you're seeing, and, and I'm glad you used the term appear, um, are uh, deceptive. There's, there's pictures of officers that look like they're pushing the metal barricades out of the way and waving to the crowd to come in. 
What the, what the people don't see is outside the view of that camera, that camera view, those metal barricades are 42 pounds. There's three of them, at least three or four, four of them tied in a row. They're being yanked out by groups of protesters, yanked away from the officer. The officer has one hand on the barricade. It's physically impossible for one-handed backhand to push that many barricades out of the way. They're being yanked out of the way. And what people don't know is I'd call in assistance from 17 law enforcement agencies, almost 1,700 officers, all on different radio channels. So my officers are now backing up they realize they're being over, overrun there, and they're waving to the other officers, come this way, come this way, we're moving to higher ground, we're moving to our next um, uh, police line. What happened with the officer who shot the protester uh, inside the Capitol, from, from your perspective, best knowledge that you have? That, you know, I'm going to base it on you know the, the training. So you have an officer, he's assigned into the chamber, he's a, an official of the uh, chamber division, which is part of the uh, Capitol Police that is inside the chamber protecting members of Congress. But any, if the officer is going to employ lethal force, it has to be based on his training, based on what he feels he's facing at that time, specifically to prevent uh, death or serious, serious bodily injury to others. Investigated by Metropolitan Police Department, FBI, and Capitol Police, and uh, deemed as a uh, justifiable use of force. All right. Chief uh, Sund, we appreciate uh, you being with us. The book is called Courage Under Fire, Under Siege, and outnumbered 58 to 1 and a fact-based approach to what happened on January 6th. Check that out. Uh, Stephen Sun, we, we will talk to you again soon. I, I look forward to it. Thank you for your time, sir. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Don't go away.